everybody. Welcome to Eddie V's Horror Show. I'm Edward Villanova. It's October, and in honor of the spooky season, I'm releasing a series of mini-sodes for the next few weeks until Halloween, where I'll be sharing some of the strangest, creepiest, and most unsettling happenings on record. I'll resume putting out episodes on the usual schedule in November. But until then, enjoy these scary mini-sodes, stay creepy, and have a happy Halloween. Horror stories about murderers usually focus on serial killers with high body counts who have some terrifying, disturbing, or curious quirk, like John Wayne Gacy, the killer clown, or the Zodiac Killer, who sent cryptic ciphers and taunting messages to the police and was never caught. But sometimes the most terrifying stories come from people who were maybe a little strange and quiet than did the unthinkable, seemingly out of the blue. And this story, though it lacks the dizzying body count we come to expect from stories about murderers, there is something deeply disturbing about the bizarre murder of Lindsay Hawker at the hands of a disturbed young man by the name of Tatsuya Ichihashi. The story takes us to Japan, 2007, in Chiba Prefecture, where Lindsay Hawker, a British student, has just gotten off a train on her way home. She's been traveling, studying for her master's degree abroad in Japan, and teaching Japanese students English to pay her way. She was rooming with two other English teachers in a shared apartment in Chiba. Lindsay was unlocking her bike from the place that she left it at the train station and was about to ride home when she came face to face with a man who seemed to be trying to block her way. He said in broken English, you are my English teacher. There was something about this man that seemed off. She had never seen him before and knew that he was not one of her students. Without answering him, Lindsay got on her bike and began to ride away. But after a few minutes, she realized the man was following her. So Lindsay began to ride faster. As she rode faster, the man began to jog behind her. He began to sprint. In fact, no matter how fast Lindsay pedaled her bike, she couldn't seem to lose her pursuer. The streets in that part of town were narrow and winding, and it was difficult to take turns quickly. On the shorter streets, the man began to catch up with her, occasionally calling after her and asking her questions like where she lived, what her name was, and where she went to school. After a hard turn close to home, Lindsay had to slow down enough for the man to catch up to her. Though she was shaken from being chased nearly the whole way home by this strange man, she was taken off guard when he finally caught up to her. He said his name was Tatsuya Ichihashi, and he was looking for an English teacher. He wanted to hire her. Lindsay was uncomfortable and made an excuse, saying that she wasn't taking new students at the moment because she had too many to keep up with as it was. Tatsuya was disappointed, but seemed to accept her refusal. However, he had one more request of her. He said he was thirsty and asked if he could come inside for a glass of water. He had, after all, worked up quite a sweat chasing her down like the motherfucking T-1000 from Terminator 2. And if she wouldn't take him on as a new student, the least she could do was give him a drink of water. You know, so he'd be good and hydrated for his next attempted rape. Lindsay, against her better judgment, let Tatsuya come in for a glass of water.
It's easy to look at situations like these and judge this clear misstep harshly. Lindsay should have said no, go get water somewhere else, you creepo, ran inside, locked the door behind her, and called the police. But we're all programmed by society to be polite, and politeness is often confused with being accommodating. How many of us have said yes to someone we really didn't want to? Acquiesced when we knew it was not in our best interest to. Sometimes, even when the stakes are so high that you're gambling with your life in front of someone who may wish to do harm to you. When a favor is asked politely, there's a deeply ingrained proclivity to be accommodating. So Lindsay, probably still fearing for her life, let Tatsuya come inside her apartment for a glass of water. Now fortunately, Tatsuya did not attack her once they were inside. Perhaps because her roommates were home, I don't know for sure if they were or not, but this was a misstep for Lindsay, because in the lack of an attack or further strangeness, it caused her to second-guess her first instinct about him. He drank his water and thanked her, but before he went on his way, he made one more proposal. Despite her insistence that she had too many students already, he asked her to reconsider teaching him English if he paid her a rate of 3,500 yen, which is about $32 per hour. This was significantly more than she usually charged for lessons, and with a promise that it would be all business, Lindsay felt like this was an offer she couldn't turn down. So she compromised her instinct about him, second-guessing herself, thinking maybe he's not a weirdo, maybe he's just socially awkward, and with his broken English he came off as unsettling. Maybe he's just a nice guy who really wants to learn English. And as it often goes, when you second-guess your initial gut instinct, this decision proved to be a grave mistake for Lindsay Hawker. She agreed to meet him a few days later at a local coffee shop for his first lesson, but he wanted to give her one last thing before he left. He took out a piece of paper and a pencil and started scribbling on it. When he finished, he showed her that he'd sketched out a line drawing of her face, signed it, and written down his phone number and email address, and the date they'd met. So, creep factor is kind of starting to rise again, but Lindsay shrugged it off, attributing it again to the assumption that he's probably just kind of socially awkward and maybe nervous. Leaving her with a sketch and his number, he finally left in peace. Four days later, they met up at the coffee shop. A CCTV camera captured their interaction, and Lindsay seemed mostly relaxed, but she does shy away from him several times when he tries to get close to her. They have their lesson in the coffee shop, and as it comes to an end, Tatsuya apologizes, saying that he forgot to bring her payment with him. He asks her if she would like to follow him back to his apartment in Tokyo, and he would pay her there. Now, this is the second time that Lindsay's GTFO alarm was probably going off, but once again, the drive to be accommodating is strong especially after she has already acquiesced to him before and written off his creepo vibes as awkwardness. Plus, you know, I'm sure she wanted to get paid, and she may have feared that letting him leave on his own may have resulted in him stiffing her for the English lesson. So Lindsay agreed and took a cab with him back to his apartment. Once they'd arrived, she asked the taxi driver to wait for her because she would be right back down. But after 20 minutes, and she hadn't returned... The taxi driver left, assuming her plans had changed, but of course, that wasn't all. She didn't show up for work that afternoon, and her roommates got worried when she never returned home. They called the police that evening. 
Lindsay had told them about the English lesson, and so her roommates informed the police about it. They also had the sketch Tetsuya drew of her along with his name and phone number. The police tracked his name and number to his apartment in Tokyo and knocked on the door, but there was no answer. Tetsuya's neighbors told the police that they'd heard strange noises the night before and let officers peer over their balconies into Tetsuya's apartment. The lights were off, but they could clearly see that someone was walking around inside. The responding officers believed that Lindsay Hawker was being held hostage inside, which was reason enough for the Tokyo police to call in an SAT, or Special Assault Team, which is the Japanese equivalent to the SWAT team here in the U.S. As the SAT officers stacked up at Tatsuya's door and got ready to breach, Tatsuya suddenly burst through the door and took off running down the hallway of his apartment building. He was barefoot and carrying a backpack. The officers tried to grab him on the way by, but only managed to get his backpack. They attempted to catch him, but the apartment was, like many places in the densely populated city of Tokyo, filled with narrow, labyrinthine hallways that it was easy to get lost in if you didn't already know the way. And Tatsuya, being only one man, easily outmaneuvered the police, who moved clunkily in the narrow hallways in full gear, and as a nine-man unit who were not familiar with the building layout as Tatsuya was. Officers in the street also spotted Tatsuya as he fled the building, but they weren't able to keep up with him either, and he ultimately slipped between the fingers of Tokyo's finest. Inside the apartment, police found evidence that Tatsuya had been watching Lindsay for weeks, where he'd kept track of places he'd seen her and where he'd seen her to frequent. They found lots of violent and gore-centric manga and well-used workout equipment. They also found lots of Lindsay's belongings strewn about the apartment. But where was she? Officers noted that the bathroom was missing a usual component. The bathtub had been removed. It didn't take long for officers to find it, though. It had been dragged outside onto Tatsuya's back balcony and filled with dirt and compost. He'd begun planting flowers in the dirt, although he hadn't finished it yet, with several flowers still in pots waiting to be transferred, and barely sticking out through the surface of the dirt amongst the flowers were the pale fingers of Lindsay Hawker. The police dug her out of the makeshift grave and found her body naked and badly beaten. Fist-sized bruises covered her head and torso, and her knuckles were broken and bloody. Lindsay had been trained in martial arts, and the coroner said that between her knuckles and defensive wounds on her arms, it was clear that she'd put up a vicious fight. But Tatsuya was also trained in martial arts, and being larger and stronger than her, he was ultimately able to overpower and subdue her. I mean, at least she fought for her life, though. I, I know she's still dead, but I like knowing that she probably at least busted that fuck face in the jaw a few times before the end. Anyway, the coroner reported that she had been raped, and ultimately her cause of death had been strangulation. A citywide manhunt soon became countrywide, with all of Japan looking for him. Streets all over the country were plastered with wanted posters. Lindsay's family back in the UK had become abundantly vocal about finding her killer, and they were featured regularly on the news, both in England and Japan. But despite how widely circulated this picture and information were, for the next two years, there would be no leads in the case, and Tatsuya would seem to have disappeared from the face of the earth. He'd shaved Lindsay's head after killing her and placed her hair inside a plastic Ziploc bag. 
Police suspected he may have planned to fashion it into a wig, a la Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs, and they began to additionally circulate wanted posters of Tatsuya with long hair and of him in drag, supposing he may be disguised as a woman. The truth was far more unsettling. Tatsuya had indeed gone to great lengths to change his appearance so that he wouldn't be recognized from his wanted posters. The police had his backpack, which contained all his money and his passport. This kept him from leaving the country. It also meant he had no money for plastic surgery, which he planned on getting as soon as he was out of Japan. Penniless and destitute, cut off from his parents' fortune, which he was accustomed to dipping into whenever he needed funds, Tatsuya was living on the street, doing odd jobs for a few dollars here and there. Initially, he disguised himself with a baseball cap and a pair of stolen reading glasses. Then, when the wanted posters went up, he knew he had to take more drastic measures. Using a box cutter and a pair of scissors, Tatsuya mutilated his face in an attempt to give himself back-alley plastic surgery. He'd thinned his lips by cutting pieces of them off and allowing them to heal back with less tissue. He sliced his nose open, cutting a thick strip of skin from the middle, and sewed it back with a needle and thread so it was thinner. He also used scissors to cut moles off his face, and the box cutter to dig tissue out of his cheeks to give his face a more gaunt appearance. And he also cut off sections of his brow and eyelids to change the shape of his eyes. This, of course, was all without anesthetic. The result was a freak show appearance that likely made people look the other way when they saw him instead of recognizing any resemblance to the man in the wanted posters. But as his face healed, it turned out to not be as bad as it initially looked. He still looked... strange, to say the least, but he didn't look mutilated anymore. Ugly, yes, but not like there was anything else particularly off about his appearance. One way or another, he obtained the personal identification of a dead man and used his ID to get a job as a construction worker. He kept to himself, with his co-workers saying that he was a little strange and he was a loner, but no one ever suspected that he was the Tatsuya Ichihashi from the Wanted posters. After two years, he'd saved up enough money to go to a professional plastic surgeon, like he'd planned to. He scheduled a series of surgeries where the surgeon likely repaired some of the hack job he'd done to his own face, raised the bridge of his nose, and made further corrections to the shape of his eyes and cheeks. But it was in going to this plastic surgeon in the first place that proved to be his undoing. The surgeon thought the self-mutilation scars were suspicious, and the fact that Tatsuya didn't seem to have any particular look in mind and just wanted to be made to look different was suspicious enough to nudge the surgeon to call the authorities. The Tokyo police were finally back on his trail and soon confirmed that the patient was, in fact, Tatsuya Ichihashi. He was arrested and then began the long trial process. Surprisingly, though, Tatsuya had a girlfriend who came to visit him regularly in prison. She said that he was obsessed with working out, making himself stronger and faster, biking 15 miles a day, this is probably why he was able to outrun police and keep up with Lindsay Hawker while she was on her bicycle. And in the two years of the manhunt, and only intensifying after his capture, a bizarre cult following had formed around Tatsuya. Much like the romanticization of criminals like Bonnie and Clyde or Butch Cassidy, 
Tatsuya Ichihashi had a sizable fan club. There were people who insisted that he was incredibly handsome, despite having a face that looked like it had lost a fight with a cheese grater. People wrote blogs and made videos about him like he was some kind of a celebrity or even a hero in some twisted way. I know that romanticizing criminals is a thing that we do. People love a good outlaw story, and the notoriety can make people forget the monstrous crime that earned that notoriety in the first place. This fandom, in short, was disgusting. He mutilated, raped, and murdered an innocent woman who was just trying to make her way through college by teaching English. Someone like that deserves no fanfare. Lindsay's family sought the death penalty for Ichihashi, but the court decided on life in prison, citing that at his young age he might yet be rehabilitated. This is one of those cases where I think rehabilitation, while I agree that it should be the primary goal of the criminal justice system, it shouldn't discount the punishment aspect. If it was me, I wouldn't want to see someone like Ichihashi rehabilitated. I would want to see him removed from the land of the living. Tatsuya Ichihashi, to this day, sits rotting in a Japanese prison, hoping to someday be paroled. I'm sure the Hawker family joins me in the hope that that day never comes. I hope you enjoyed the show. Stay tuned through the rest of the month of October for more spooky Halloween minisodes. Again, regular episodes will resume when spooky month is over. Happy Halloween, eat some candy, drink some whiskey, and I'll see you all in November. And until then, stay creepy.